Welcome to the Lost Lowdown, podcast number five, with your hosts, Claude and Justin. That's right. Say hi, Justin. Hi. Yeah, nice. I'm not the intro man. No, but I, I let you go first. Oh, but you, but, but I'm not wearing pants. Oh, and I don't like tomatoes. Okay. Oh. Um, so this podcast number five marks our first podcast in a series that uh, I've sort of personally dubbed Season 1 Retrospective. Uh, a reasonable dubbing? Yes, exactly. I'm very logical. Um, wherein we will basically <laughs> go through uh, all of Season 1 and recap uh, sort of you know the general events and also uh, sort of discuss Season 1 in terms of what we know from, watching season, ha- from having watched Season 2. Uh, so... In order to get through all of the episodes, because before season three starts, you want to get through all of episode. I'm sorry, all of season one plus the the you know eighty percent or whatever of season two that we didn't have not podcasted about. Um, So what we're going to do is each podcast will cover four to five different episodes. So this podcast right now will cover the first five episodes, um, which are. The Pilot, Parts 1 and 2, Tabla Rasa, Walkabout, and White Rabbit. So, um, bear with us, dear audience, as, uh, you know, not that we've really got our act down with, you know, with the Lost Lowdown, but uh, this is going to be sort of a new format since we're talking about five episodes in one one sitting, so it, it's going to take a little bit of time for us, I think, to get used to that. Uh, I don't know. Do you think so, Justin? Maybe I'm being too right. cautious. I don't know. Well, uh, in theory, there should be a lot more material per podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, so that'll be weird to adjust to. However, at least with season one, it seems like there's less information per episode. So yeah, definitely. Hopefully, hopefully it'll work out and, and, and be reasonable to, to do this. It's the only way we can get through them all. So. Definitely. And uh, I, I think I think it'll work. Cool. Well, uh, I should also mention that uh, while we're both getting the season one DVDs, I already bought the DVD set. You're going to buy them very soon. Very soon. Uh, and one of the things... I already have them though. I'm just going to buy another copy. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'll still be watching before. Um, oh, what do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. That's exactly uh, what I mean. Okay. What you just said. Okay. Um, one of the things we want to do is, um, you know, to a certain extent, uh, is talk about the commentary that the creators and actors uh, record for the uh, season one uh, episodes. I've already pulled out a couple things just from these first five episodes that uh, the powers that be have said. That's really interesting. So uh, for those of you at home listening who didn't don't have uh, season one or or at least have not listened to the commentary, we will uh, sort of do a little segment or at least bring up little topics that they've said that were interesting. Uh, so anyway, uh, let's get started here. Let's talk about episode one, the pilot, part one, wherein we find our lost aways and uh, we find out uh, or we see them uh, get lost, as it were. Um, I'll go ahead and uh, do something sort of formal and read the uh, synopsis of the episode for those who uh, 
Don't remember, like Justin, right? Justin, you don't know what what happened, right? I have no idea. Please yeah. remind me. You've never seen the pilot, right? No. Yeah, cool. Well, pilot. That, What's a pilot? I know it's the guy who gets eaten by Smokey. Ooh. Um. So anyway, uh, we'll we'll recap just in terms because I know it's been a long time since a lot of us have seen these episodes. So anyway, here's a recap from uh, the DVD booklet synopsis. Uh, episode one. During a routine trip from Sydney, Australia to Los Angeles, Oceanic Flight 815 is blown off course and crashes on a remote deserted island. Convinced that rescue is coming soon, the surviving passengers set up camp on the beach and try to make the most of what they think will only be a short time on the island. One of the 48 passengers, Dr. Jack Shepard, suggests that they find the transceiver in the front of the plane so they can radio for help. But when a terrifying howl comes from the jungle, it becomes apparent that this is no ordinary island. Was it a howl? Um, okay. How you know? Um, sorry for the embellishment. I, I sort of felt the need to make it more interesting. Yeah, you did. You 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 I, added I, drama. I added a little bit of drama to whence there was no drama. Okay, that sentence <laughs> makes no sense. Um, no, but I laughed anyway. So you know, for me, there wasn't a lot to talk about in the uh, in terms of bringing up points. You know, things to talk about from the pilot. There's a couple little things. The pilot is great, though. I mean, in, in terms of you know, you know, the first episode of a show being the you know one that grounds the audience and need, you know needs to be exciting, it needs to be whatever, so they can sort of you know uh, cement itself an audience. Uh, this one was really good. I really liked the pilot. Um, when I first saw it, I really liked it. It didn't sell me on the epi- on the series, but it, I did really like the pilot. I did not like the pilot the first time I watched it. Um, I, I thought it was too much of an action extravaganza, but when I watched it this time, I realized that the action extravaganza part is like the first ten minutes. Exactly. And then it's not like that at all. So I, I guess I had the wrong impression. And not only that, like the plane crash scene at the beginning, I liked more this time than I did the first time I watched it. Hmm. Like I, I really liked the like sputtering engine that keeps like coming on and oh randomly. my god, that that yeah, when they're on the beach and it, all you can hear is that engine still trying to you know start up and. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. how that works or if that's realistic or whatever, but it seemed realistic. I never it, I never thought it was realistic because I thought the fuel line would be would be severed from the engine. So right. why is it, where is it getting power from? Or I barely know how engines work anyway. Well, yeah, me so too. So maybe it is realistic, but... Certainly uh, not uh, airplane engines. Of course. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, it was a little strange, but I love the, I love the the action pack scene. It's one thing after another. And, uh, you know, Jack, you know, he wakes up, uh, you know, sort of peaceful and tranquil in the jungle, of course, disoriented, um, uh, you know, sort of awakened by Vincent almost, which I got to tell to tell you about him, a big, oh big, big thing that shall come later if I remember, which I, hopefully I will. Um, so yeah, Jack wakes up, he, he stumbles, you know, he sort of runs through the jungle because he's like, you know, disoriented and, you know, he shouldn't be in a jungle. He was on a plane and, uh, comes up, you know, I love when he, he comes in, uh, to the clearing and to the beach and he sees, you know, this beautiful island in the ocean and there's this almost, he almost gets to take a breath and sort of, you know, you know, relief. And then he sort of looks to his left and <laughs> 
sees uh, hell on the beach, uh, murder and mayhem and chaos, and I love that. And then it's uh, it's an action-packed scene from 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 like for like ten fifteen minutes as he tries to save like as many people as he can because uh, because why people. Because Jack is a hero, whether his daddy believes so or not. Oh. Um, but anyway, um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, especially in that first part, just little things. Uh, I'd like to think that Locke... Okay, you know um, the, the, the big... It's a, everybody knows this part of the, the intro of the pilot when uh, the guy gets sucked into the engine. You know right. that part? Um, yeah. is it, is it just me or, or I blame Locke for that. I think Locke caused that guy to get sucked in there because if you know, if you remember that scene, Locke, I forgot what he's doing. He, he's helping like someone carry someone else or something like that, sort of in the foreground on the left. And then in the background on the right, you know, Locke turns around and, and, and tells that guy who's in sort of the background on the right next to the engine, Hey, get down, get down, get down. And the guy was actually running past the engine and when Locke called to him, he stopped, and that's when he got sucked into the engine. So if Locke wouldn't have called him, the guy wouldn't have got sucked in there. Hmm. So it's really, it's really weird. I, I think that's uh, Locke's first casualty, uh, Boone being the second one, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it was really, it was really because the guy was running past the engine, and with you know, I think with his momentum, he wouldn't have got sucked in. But he sort of stops right there, and then he gets sucked in. So uh, I blame Locke for that. I just wanted to bring that up. I see. Uh, and then one of the other big things I noticed from watching the beginning of the the season is that uh, Saeed's accent is sort of noticeably different. Uh, did you did you catch that? I did not. No, I I didn't uh, notice a difference. Yeah, his, I, I thought it was his a little... hair was different. His hair but, was uh... different. I guess almost everybody's was. But his intellect like and charm was totally intact. Oh, yes, indeed. It was there from the beginning. It was. It really he's, that, he's that hard-bitten Iraqi soldier that sort of charms you to death. Yeah, he really does. You know, if I was in Desert Storm and was going to be tortured by the enemy, I would hope it would be Saeed. Yeah, please. Please. <laughs> he could fix my iPod if it ever broke. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's see, let's see. One of I, the I, oh, go ahead. I wanted to bring up uh, the like Jack waking up in the jungle. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it's a minor point, but um, I, I don't know what we're supposed to believe. I mean, like Rose, who was sitting right next to him, was like on the beach with everybody else, mm-hmm. but somehow. He got catapulted into the jungle all by himself. I mean, yeah. Well, one of the weird things that I still haven't haven't reconciled is exactly how did the the people, how did the the fuselage and sort of its passengers, you know, crash upon the island? Um, because you know, it seems to me that I mean, obviously, a plane breaking up like that in mid-flight. I mean, pretty much everyone should have died, but you know, so many people wow. were alive. But anyway. If they're in this fuselage and it's and it's hurtling hurtling towards this island, um, I would think that the the I mean the fuselage obviously crashed on the beach. It was sitting there on fire. And right. I don't know how these people were thrown out of it or flew out of it or got out of it. To me, that that whole thing was really weird. I sort of assume that 
as the fuselage got closer to the island, I mean, I, I would say no more than, like, 50 feet before it crashed, some people fell out or something. Uh, because, you know, Locke was outside. I mean, so many people were... I mean, Locke was on his back out of the fuselage, too, when he really shouldn't have been if he was strapped in his seat, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and how Jack got, you know, a good, what, 100 yards, maybe, from the wreckage... I don't even know. Uh, I'd l- I think I chalk that up to um, uh, the fact that it's a TV show and it just looks interesting and cool to have him wake up in that sort of serene environment and come into this chaos. I, uh, you know, if you put any sort of realism into that plane crash, then the whole thing blows up, you know, because uh, no one should have survived. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's a good point. I just... Um... It just seemed, it seemed, you know, even given that people are surviving, it seemed unrealistic that he would just end up, you know, you know, far away by himself when people he was right next to didn't end up there. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, maybe it is just a drama thing. Because it is, you know, it is a good opening scene yeah. where he where he wakes up and... Everything seems nice until he looks to the left. Never look and, to the uh, left. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, that could that could be all that is. Yeah, but, I think uh, that's I think that's all that is. I mean, even even in the comment, I, I listened to some of the commentary and uh, one I don't remember who if it was da- JJ or Damon or whoever was on there. Uh, they when they show that shot of Jack, the sort of over the top shot where you see him. They were like, yeah, I didn't realize how clean his shirt is until now. Like, his shirt is just, like, perfectly white. And, of course, it shouldn't oh. be if he's just in a plane crash. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of little things uh, in there that, uh, you know, it's a TV show. But um, I wanted to mention that, uh, you know, the next sort of big part of that is he, he goes to save Rose. And then as he – right when he brings Rose back to consciousness um, – the plane, the plane's wing is about to crash on Hurley and Claire, and so you know they get up. And he gets up and go, 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 you know. And then, then uh, they sort of narrowly miss, they are narrowly missed by the uh, plane's wing crashing into the ground. And uh, you know, then you see this shot of Hurley and uh, Claire on the ground. You know, after this, after this explosion, almost dying. Hurley is like sort of grabbing his stomach, you know. And uh, Claire kind of is, not really. And one of the creators was like, yeah, it's so funny how Hurley's more concerned about his stomach than Claire is hers. You know, and I'm just like, well, that's the first, you know, the first sign of Claire being a horrible mother. You oh. Know? <laughs> oh, even at the beginning of the crash. Wow. And then there's, uh, wow. there's that. Perfect. I- I'll just quickly say this. So I don't have to say it later. It's a similar topic is that... Uh, in the next episode, in part two of the pilot, you know, Jen, Jen uh, gets those, like, sea urchins and is trying to give it to people. You know, Hurley doesn't want any. And he goes up right. to Claire, you know, this young pregnant woman, and he offers Claire some. She's like, no, no, thank you. No, thank you. And I'm like, damn it, Claire, you're pregnant. You should, like, eat no matter what it tastes like. I mean, you're on a deserted island. Like, I just, I thought it was so funny. She's, like, passing up food. But, of course, she yeah. does eventually take it, you know. Right. But, uh, with a little prodding. With a little prodding. Whatever yeah. he says. I don't know what he says. Yeah, that, that helped. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, 
what else about the first episode? Um, I, I guess I could bring up my theory about Vincent. Uh, my big, 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 big theory. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, because, uh, because when I first saw... When I saw Vincent... The you know in the first scene of the of the show with with Jack when he wake in, he wakes in the jungle it hit me it hit me my theory came like out of nowhere you ready for it I'm gonna first I'm gonna say it and you're gonna be astonished and then I'm gonna tell you why I believe it and then you're gonna agree with me <laughs> I can't wait it's gonna be All a right. sequence of events <clears throat> okay. I think well so you wait you the listener have heard. What's going to happen? Now you can watch it play exactly. out. Exactly. It's like um, telling the future. I don't know. Uh, so here's my big thing, okay? I can't wait. I think that... <laughs> I'm trying to see how to phrase this now. Um, I think Vincent is smoky. Oh, my God. I don't believe Let you. Let me tell you why. <laughs> um... <laughs> I, I I said that like I was lying, but I really don't okay, believe it. I'm going to so. give you a couple reasons why, okay? And then that part came okay. true. So first, oh my god! First, first is the what? first is the impl- To me, the first thing is the impossibility that a dog would survive the crash. Vincent should have been in a cage, and he just. I mean, of course, a lot of other people survived, but I I think he would have died. Number that's. That's not even really number one because that's sort of well, that's sure. very loose. But the, yeah, that, that's that's okay, one yeah. of those things that of, okay. Know. Number two is that Vincent is really weird. No, I'm sorry. Let me get you my real. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, Being weird means you're smoky. No, no. no. Okay. Nice. So in the fir- the in the in the pilot when we first hear the noise that the monster makes in the jungle, you know that uh, we mm-hmm. know later to be smoky. Uh Walt turns around towards the noise and says, is that Vincent? Yeah, right. And that was always weird to me. I'm like, why would you think that a horrible noise is your dog, right? And then when, uh, if I I get my story straight, when Jack, Kate, and Charlie go to get the transceiver, there's there's that part where they pass Vincent, and Vincent seems to be following them. He's sort of just, like, watching them, you know? Uh, And then later... The pilot gets eaten by Smokey. So to me, I think you could argue Vincent was sort of following them almost. Uh, okay. and, and, and then sort of my other sort of general musings is the fact that Vincent is sort of always sort of there and not there. And he's very, you know, it's very weird when he's in the show. And then, of course, in season two, uh, we get that scene when, when Vincent brings Hurley the, uh, the drugs, the uh, statue with the drugs in it. Uh, you mean I'm Charlie? I'm sorry, Charlie. Very similar names. Um, so for those reasons, we don't want Angie Q on our no, ass. No, please. <laughs> Angie Q's gonna get us. Um, so those are my reasons right now why I think uh, I think Vincent. I think we're gonna find Vincent's body in season three, and we're gonna realize that he's dead, and then it's gonna lead into figuring out what Smokey is. And and oh, the other reason is because. The creators, you know, we talked about this in the other podcast. The creator said we saw Smokey, you know, in season two, right. and we didn't know it was him. And True. I think okay. I think it's either going to prove that it was Vincent, 
and or you know the horse and or you know Jack, even Jack's father maybe in season one. Which is a season yeah. one thing, but um, maybe Dave. Yeah, and ma- maybe even Dave too. Um, so yeah, that's my theory. I think uh, I think uh, Vincent is Smokey or Smokey is Vincent, whichever one. Is. Wow, yeah. that that is a theory. Um, I believe a lot of people uh, have have been sort of inspired to speculate by that part where he says, "Is that Vincent?" when when, uh, you know, when the smoke monster, like, starts, you know, making noise yeah. or whatever. Um, I think, uh, doesn't Rose say it sounds familiar? That, that, that's another thing that, uh, that a lot of people have speculated about. Yeah, yeah, she says it sounds familiar, but, yeah. So, um, I mean, I think maybe, you know, maybe it's either, you know, Smoke. Okay, obviously it's Vincent is Vincent and not Smokey, or... Or that Smokey is Vincent, or that sometimes when we see Vincent, it's Smokey, and sometimes when we see Vincent, it's really Vincent. Ah. Um, All right. Now that's that's. I I find that more likely, Um, because I feel like Smokey was there before they crashed on the island. Yeah. Um, Because I think if I remember now, I'm. Now I'm going into I don't remember land, but I think Danielle knew about the smoke monster. If I if I remember correctly, she was aware of it. She never I don't think she ever saw it or anything though. She she knows there's something in the jungle though. If I'm I mean I don't really remember specifically either. I feel like that's where they got the idea it was a security system. Yeah, no, she did say it. I think she, yeah, she says the security system, but I don't think she's ever seen it. Or, or I think okay. she'd be dead if she if she got that close. All right, but but what I mean to say is it was there before they crashed, and it couldn't have been strictly speaking Vincent. No, what I mean is, I mean, okay, yeah, no, it's not strictly speaking Vincent. What I mean is that you, it's what taking you mean the is, form of Vincent. Okay, yeah. okay. So basically, it could be the real Vincent the, is yeah, dead. like the real Vincent's dead. He died in the plane crash, and Smokey you know, read Walt's mind or somehow knew of Vincent to take that form or something like that. Right. And, and so, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like it extracted that from Walt, just like it's able to extract whatever Mm -hmm. from echo eventually. Um, okay. Okay. You know, that theory I think is, is possible. It's possible. I don't think it can be the real Vincent, but but in that case, uh, yeah, it could be that, or it could be that Vincent did live, and sometimes it's Vincent, and sometimes it's you know the the monster. Yeah, because it would. It, I, I I I'm gonna think about this theory as I watch the rest of season one because you know there were those periods when like Vincent would leave for a while, and then like and then he'd like come back, and then like he was just sort of in and out, you know. And maybe part of that is just you know the creators didn't write him in the show during those episodes, but. Um, I'd like to see if maybe the, the, the episodes when we don't see Vincent is when we see a lot of Smokey doing stuff, you know? Right. Um, or maybe, you know, a lot of other things that could be attributed to Smokey. So we'll see. That's just, uh, that's just my theory that I, uh, came up with. So. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. 
At first, I, you know, at first I didn't believe you, and then mm-hmm. after you explained it, I, I started thinking it's plausible. I think I just predicted the future. I think you did. I think wow. you did. Wow, so I can put uh, Clairvoyant on my resume. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, one thing, I, I, uh, the, the monster first appears, like, that first night, mm-hmm. you know, after they crash, I wanted to speculate, maybe, if if you even have a speculation, about why it might have been that it, you know, made its presence known immediately upon them landing, but then it sort of pretty much leaves them alone, like, unless they're in the jungle for the rest of the series... <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, you, you know, security system should have, you know, sort of borders, and it's so, it, you know, it seems to be securing a certain area, and as long as you're not in that area, you're fine, and, and so when they're on the beach, they're okay. Um, I'd like to think that when we see it the first night, I mean, it, it was basically sort of making its rounds or something like that, you know, or or specifically making a lot of noise because it was. Um, you know, letting them know not to get near or something like that. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know how the security, the ins and outs of, you know, security system and how cognizant it really is. You know, like when when they're trying to hunt the boar and, oh, there's another thing I want to bring up about that. Oh, but when they're trying to hunt the boar, you know, it sort of stalks its way through the jungle and scares them, you know. And, some, you know, it seems like you can it can travel through the jungle without knocking down trees, you know. Um, we've seen it do it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if, if we're supposed to believe it knocks down trees when it's, uh, you know, trying to, you know, intimidate people or if it's when it's actively trying to get somebody or what, but, right. um, or if that's just an inconsistency in, in how they've, uh, you know, illustrated the, I mean, the I was thinking it was intimidation. Yeah. Um, cause every time it's done that, it's been like ready to attack. Mm hmm. Um, except for that, except for when they're on the beach. In that case, it seems like it's just doing it to make them not want to come in the jungle, I guess. Yeah. Um, but other times, you know, when it's come out, it's, it's, you know, knocked down trees and stuff before it made its appearance. Very strange monster. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much they knew about what it was going to be. I mean, according to them, they should have known already at the time uh, what, it, what it was going to be. But they really give the impression that it's some sort of creature, not like a, an amorphous blob of smoke. Yeah. And it really doesn't seem like that in these early episodes. No, it it seems like mechanical and they, you know, they make references to it being a dinosaur. Yeah. You know, um but I think in season 3 uh they're going to corner Smokey, take off its mask and we're going to find out it's <laughs> Mr. Henderson, the high school science teacher. Uh, and he would have gotten they, away with it. He would have gotten away to if it wasn't for, you know, you damn lo- losties. <laughs> Oh God! Or it's like Mission Impossible. There's there's barely any difference anyway. Yeah. Oh jeez. Um, it's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. Oh no, wait, it's Nicole Kidman. Oh zing. Uh, so I'm done with episode one. Yeah. Um, I believe I am too. 
So. Although I, I like to say one of the best images and scenes from Lost ever is uh, when when Locke I forgot who's Locke who Locke is looking at, but he smiles with that nasty orange in his oh, mouth. Oh yeah, Isn't God, that, that was creepy. Was that the first episode? Yeah, that was the first episode. Okay. It was uh, was it Kate? I think it was Kate. Yeah, he's like. Hi, I'm really innocent. Nice old man. Smile and die. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, that was back when I thought Locke was really sinister. He presented himself as being sinister. Like, I was, I was, a fr- I mean, they were, they were going with that angle right up until Lockabout. <laughs> yeah. Because in season, in episode three, the last shot is Locke looking really evil. And I wanted, I wanted to talk about that too, because I don't, I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I don't either. I remember at the time, I'm like, oh my god, what is this guy's deal? Like, he's really yeah. scary. Like he, I think he's, what is he looking at, uh, Walt and Michael? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, sweet family, that I'm going to kill I with know. my four hundred knives. <laughs> Like, oh, my God, Locke. Jesus. And, like, we're kind of skipping ahead here, but um, the the that's the first episode with, you know, what I think of as the... the yeah, the first to end with the song and montage. Yeah, the musical montage. And, really, that's the classic one that I really mm-hmm. hate. I hate whatever that song is. It really sucks. I, I think that's it. Jack Johnson. I'm gonna rock me. Like, ugh. I, I yeah. hate music like that, and we have to listen to so much of it. Well, we just see like people on the beach being happy and blah blah. blah. Being happy and yeah, I hate it. And I it's guess we're crazy. supposed to believe that's what Hurley's listening to on the CD player. Oh, uh, I didn't remember. But um, and then so that song plays, and then like, but when they show when they start panning around Locke, the music fades <laughs> out, and we get this like this like sinister noise. Yeah, as if he's about to like pounce on them or something yeah like the mood changes completely i mean they are trying to project something sinister into his look i don't know why they're doing that in retrospect but maybe just to make the contrast between that and walkabout and what we find out in walkabout yeah but we didn't find out in walkabout that Locke's evil no, we found out he's really not evil. We found out he's oh. really, really simple and placid and sort of a coward. That's the contrast. Okay, that's the contrast. I see. That makes sense. It that wouldn't be a sense. contrast if we found out more of the same. You know, you got a point there. <laughs> well, I'm done with episode one. Yeah, uh, yeah, me too. Pretty much. Um, we, we've we've already sort of talked about the polar bear. I guess that was the. Um, Oh yeah, forgot about uh, that thing. I guess that was the big event of episode one, discovering a polar bear, um, and you know why it might have been there. Some people think Walt conjured it, conjured it up from the comic book somehow. You know, still others think well, it was uh, uh, an escapee from the Dharma Zoology Project. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't know what to think about it because uh, even though we do see another polar bear later. Uh, the polar bear angle kind of disappeared at some point. Um, you know, yeah, I, I don't think Walt conjured it up. Um, I know he seemed to make that bird appear, but I always I always sort of believe that, uh, you know, that scene in season one when, when he's talking about the birds and he gets frustrated with his parents and he, the bird flies into the window. I just sort of assumed the bird was, like, nearby. You know, it wasn't like, you know, it, it sort of came out of thin air so much as he sort of willed that bird to come towards him sort of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know what kind of bird that was. Maybe it's a rare bird, and that would sort of debunk my theory. But I just sort of assumed it was just like a, you know, a bird that would be in the area, you know, fairly close, you know. But, it, it uh, like, it came out of a book that they were looking at. Like, it was a particular type of bird, I think. Yeah, I know. I know it was a particular specific type of bird. I mean, it, I still... I just assume that, you know, there was a bird like that in the area. Those birds were indigenous to the area, and he just made one come towards him. Oh, okay. Uh, not that, you know, and that's why I don't, I believe that, so I don't really buy that he conjured the polar bear, because that would, that would, you know, there's no polar bears on the island, you know, naturally, so, you know, in my theory of what he did, he wouldn't have been able to do that. You don't think he could just make a polar bear? I don't, yeah, I don't think he could make it out of thin air. Uh, I okay. don't think that he has those powers. Um, but who knows? This I don't either, head. but I don't know what Wall's powers are. Obviously, they're considerable, but... They seem to be considerable, but we really haven't seen much. No. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, you know, the others are making a big hubbub about it. But, you know, what have we really seen? Not what, much. what they've done is suggest a lot more than, you know, than they've shown. Yeah, exactly. So we're led to believe that they're that they're extensive, but we've never seen him display any powers. Uh, yeah, I think that the polar bears were from the Dharma Project, the uh, zoological research. I mean, yeah. they show the polar bears in the True. original Dharma video when they talk about zoological research. I, that's what I think. There, I think that's what it's from. True. Although, you know, could it be? Could it be that the polar bears were there because of that, but Walt, like, brought the polar bear somewhere else? You know, like somewhere he did else. with the bird. Um, no, because because Walt wasn't there. when we. Well, I mean, the, the second polar bear attack, Walt was there, right? Yeah. Uh, this polar bear attack, he wasn't. Okay. So I'm not going to buy it. Maybe, maybe, I mean, and I don't buy it for the first one, so I don't really want to buy it for the second one, even though Walt was there. Um, but I see what you mean, but no, Walt wasn't there, so it's not like, it's not like when he brought the bird towards him. Okay. All right, just want to throw that out there. I don't know if I believe it either, but. Cool. Well, let's go to see the uh, the pilot part two, episode okay. number two. Right. Um, Jack, along with fellow passengers Claire and Kate. Okay, sorry, this is Charlie and Kate. Um, Close enough. I'll start over. Jack, along <laughs> with fellow passengers Charlie and Kate, returns to the beach camp with the transceiver they found. Saeed, a former military communications officer. Gets the transceiver working, but tells the others he can't get better. He can get better reception if they head to higher ground. When they get there, they pick up a mysterious broadcast, <laughs> prompting Charlie to ask the question everyone has been asking: "What are we?" <laughs> so, um, and they've been asking it in exactly that way. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, ep- uh, episode two is a continuation of the pilot. Um, so it's still good. Um, right. I'm trying to think of what, uh... Oh, I, I forgot something. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, just a quick... I just want to bring up the pilot being killed by the smoke monster. Uh-huh. Um, like, we, we've really never seen it kill anything but the pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, uh, it goes up to Locke, I guess, in, uh, in... Is it... I think it's walkabout, or maybe it is it's walkabout where uh, he sees the he sees the monster. Well, presumably sees the monster. Yeah, um, I mean we're led to believe that he sees it. 
Um, well, he he tells some. What, was it Michael? He tells him no, or Charlie? Yeah, he does. But I, don't I mean, know. Walt, Walt, Locke doesn't lie. If I remember, <laughs> if I remember correctly, uh, in the official podcast, they actually made reference to the fact that he saw it. Yeah, no, I think he saw it. I'm just saying. So I'm covering our bases, so all of our information is factual. Annie Q. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, and it it, it drag it starts dragging Locke away in the season finale of season one, um, and then uh, after that, I think the next time we really deal with it is uh, when it confronts Echo. Yep. And just sort of goes away. So I mean, that's the only death we've seen it cause, I guess. And I, you know, I I can't imagine. I don't know. Did it think the pilot was bad, or was it just killing indiscriminately? I mean, it just doesn't kill indiscriminately because it's face down two people and let them go. Yeah, I you know I don't I well I think I would have to say that it killed the pilot because the pilot was expendable. Yeah, that's kind of what I think too. All right, let's move on. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. One of the big things I wanted to mention uh, was, well, I guess I don't know how big it is, but when Locke is pay- playing backgammon, uh, you know, Walt comes over. And th- doesn't Locke say it's the oldest game in the world or something like that? Yeah. Uh, which I always wanted to look up to see if that was true. I, right. I, don't know. I, have a hard I, time I somehow believing. doubt that, but yeah, I have a hard time believing backgammon is the oldest game in the world. Yeah. But um, anyway, he tells him. I have a feeling play- like Spear the Buffalo or something beats it. Yeah, Pin the Tail on the Donkey. Yeah. is a really old game. Uh, it was Pin the Tail on the Triceratops. <laughs> um, so oh, he tells shit. him. And very, very poetically, you know, back game, backgammon is two players, two sides, one dark, one light. Right. And of course, it makes me think of the mural. Of course because it does. You and your goddamn my, mural. My, you know, my goddamn mural my theory might prove out to be true because it, it makes me think of the mural. You know, one dark figure, one light figure. I mean, is that just a coincidence that he would he would say this line that seems so important that hasn't really come to anything yet but it's a very strange thing to say if they didn't mean anything by it i mean i think the light dark thing is just it's just like you know uh it just sounds meaningful yeah or it's just like good and evil or something but why say that at that point what what was the point of telling walt that um Oh, I don't know. He's I mean, he's being unnecessarily like detailed about, you know, he talks about them playing it in Mesopotamia. I mean, he doesn't need to say any of that stuff. I feel like it's just stylized dialogue. Mm-hmm. That was my impression. Because, um, okay. I, I mean, obviously, I don't think the mural matters. So uh, so anything I see, I'm going to filter through that thought process. All right, all right. But 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 I I will take that as tentative, you know, evidence. I'll file it away for the future that if the mural comes to something, that was uh, forewarning. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know how, and I, I, we <clears throat> talked about this before. Is how do the iterations work in 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 Danielle's 
message that they pick up on the transceiver. Oh, boy. Um, I, you know, I understand that the iterations are sort of counting every time that the message has been uh, transmitted. I, it reminded me of the the log in the Pearl that counts the you know, yeah. number of times the button gets but, pushed. But how do you have a voice recording that changes, like, theoretically forever? What do you mean? Well, the man's voice that says, you know, uh, iteration seven, two, four. Oh. That, that voice has to change every, you know, it has to say a new number every time a new message is being reproduced. And if this is a transmission, how, how, is, that, how is that physically possible? Because, I mean, it doesn't, first of all, it was 16 years ago. Yeah. So technology was a little less. It doesn't sound computerized, you know, it doesn't sound like the sort of, you have two new messages, you know. It doesn't sound like that. So I, I'm just thinking realistically, like how can they, how can any sort of machine, or you know, any sort of recording machine make do the do the iterations? Because it has to do another number, iteration two, iteration three, for 16 years. Well, yeah, and theoretically forever. It sounded to me like like a sampled voice, not robotic, but just you know, you get someone to say, you know, zero one two three four five six seven eight nine. Then you can mm-hmm. form any number out of that. You think that's what it was? I mean, it, it, it could I'll be done. By that, that okay, okay. I don't think it didn't. To me, it didn't sound like what that would sound like because you know when you call the bank and they say you have two dollars and three four cent, you know, like right. Really, it's really not that good. But I'll buy that. That's maybe the idea behind it. It, it would be it would be a way to do it, but I mean, it would require some sort of computer like program or something. So, yeah, it would require a computer program to know what number to tell it to say. I don't and know actually, how she did that. Um, we'll never really know. Like, well, I should not say. <laughs> we'll never know. I, I, I guess I should be a little more cautious when I say that. We still don't know what her team was there to do. Yeah. So we don't know, like, you know, she's like, well, I did research and no one really cared to ask, oh, uh, what was the research? Uh, islands in the middle of nowhere that you can't get to from the outside world. <laughs> so, you know, uh, we don't know if it's reasonable to suppose that they would have the skills to produce such a such a transmission. Um, I don't, yeah. I, you know, uh, I mean, I, I do find I was thinking about that on the last podcast or whatever i i really wonder how that how that came about that they were able to set up such a thing i mean even if they could get the voice to work and stuff i still i'm still like is it dharma equipment is it their own equipment like i don't know yeah um i think it was well we don't find out whose equipment but you know the the original transmission was the numbers the numbers were originally being transmitted, and that's actually why Danielle and her team came to the island, was because they picked up the transmission that were repeating the numbers over and over. Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah, so maybe Rosinski, maybe Kelvin, maybe, I don't know who would have originally recorded those numbers. Maybe one day we'll hear the, hear the voice, hear the original recording. Well, we, we might not, though, unless it's a flashback. Unless we maybe get a Danielle flashback. Which... Uh, because, she, you know, she recorded over that transmission. It was hinted during the official podcast that we will get a Danielle flashback in season oh, cool. three. 
Okay, so maybe we'll find out uh, how she did this iteration thing and uh, and then maybe hear the original broadcast and can sort of maybe we can tell whose voice it is. It'd be nice. I'd also like to say the voice that says the French message mm-hmm. doesn't really sound like the actress who plays Danielle to me. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. Um, I believe it was, in fact, a different person, but it doesn't really sound like her. And another thing that someone brought up on the Lost TV board, um, if she's speaking French, and they were French researchers, how did she learn English? Oh, well, she's an academic. I would assume she'd know English. Are you assuming she just knows it? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when you grow up in Europe, nine times out of ten, you learn, like, three languages by the time you graduate, like, high school and stuff. Like, that's, that's pretty standard. Okay. And one of them is usually going to be English, because English is, I mean, for the, for the business world, English is huge. Um, so I, I totally buy that she knows English. Totally buy that. Not a problem. But she puts all. her thing in French. Yeah. And, but she, that, whenever that should... she speaks, she always uses English. Well, because she's speaking, you know, to English-speaking people. Okay. So, um, I mean, that's why she does that. Why she she would record in French, I would say, you know, maybe she just sort of thought whoever would receive the message would know French. Maybe there's another there was another science team out there somewhere she was trying to get to. I don't think that's true though. Uh, and then I would say the real answer is probably it's just a contrivance. So it would be you know the conflict and drama when they hear the message and Shannon has to decode it and right. You know, I agree. Uh, I think that's the reason. But I just wanted to point out based on the region of the world they're in, it's much more likely they'll run into someone speaking English mm-hmm. than French. Uh, I just thought of maybe she did know English at the time. It was 16 years ago. Okay, maybe, but... Maybe, hey, we don't know what she's been doing on the island. That's true, that's true. Who knows what she's been up She could be... She could have had contact with Dharma. I don't know what she could have been doing. So it's possible she could have learned English uh, in that 16 years. It it is um, it is possible. Uh, given what we think we know about what happened to her, it's highly unlikely. Yeah. But if they, you know, do do uh, throw in some some sort of crazy thing we didn't think of on us, uh, you know, oh well, she was really doing this, and that's why she learned English. Okay, that that could be it. Yeah, I Definitely. mean, plus I think there's no in how she does. She's a French academic. I she has to know English. I mean, not that English is great, but I'm just saying it's just a huge language. Yeah. Uh, it's although I, although I don't, I actually don't think. Um, I don't think in, uh, let's see, 16 years from 2004, that would be 88? Yeah. I don't think it was uh, it was as prevalent um, as it is now to have academics learning English. But you're right. It's, it's, it's certainly reasonable that she would know it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. All right. That's fine. We can, uh, we can put that to rest. Um, it seems like a great point to me, but now now that I think about it, it's uh, eh, it's not that bad. <laughs> not that, yeah. All right. Um, speaking of the iterations, uh, and, and and I I didn't go back yet to to make out. Well, okay, I didn't go back yet to make sure I was right in terms of the scene, but uh, in the scene where where um, Saeed is listening to the message and he realizes it's repeating. 
and he and he sort of get he does this sort of mental calculation to sort of figure out what the next number is. I always assumed he was doing some crazy math in his head. Oh, oh, you mean the fact that he knew what the next one would be? Yeah. Yeah, no, that wasn't crazy at all. I, yeah, no, I thought I thought he was like I thought it was some crazy thing where it was, you know, everything was 30 seconds or something. I don't know. And then he did some weird calculation and he just knew it was going to be 533 three because he did some crazy calculation. I'll tell you what the amazing calculation is in that scene. Oh, the the 16 years thing? Yeah, figuring out that that many iterations, which is to say that many 30-second clips equals 16 years, that calculation is very impressive to do in your head. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous because you have to... That's how many 30 seconds there are. So you have to multiply, uh, multiply that times 30, and that gives you the number of seconds it's been... And then, you know, divide that by 60, that gives you minutes. Divide that by 60, that gives you hours. Then you divide that by 24, and you have days. Divide by uh, divide by maybe 30, that'll give you months. Then figure out how many years and months that is. That's all that shit he had to do in his head. And, uh, you know, e- even the best of us... Uh, would want to use some paper for that ridiculous calculation. So uh, I just want to say Saeed must be some sort of savant if he's able to do that uh, in like, you know, literally a few seconds. Because, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. It was very good. Yeah, I just, when I was when I was thinking about what you'd have to do to calculate that, I'm like, man... On paper, it would probably take me at least a minute to compute. Mm-hmm. So, and that's if I get everything right really quickly. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, Ten points to Saeed for that. Um, all right. So, let's see. Anything else? Uh... Um, one of the things I want to mention uh, is that when uh, when Charlie says, "Guys, where are we?" Mm-hmm. Uh, the shot ends on Kate, looking very strange. Oh, does it? Yeah, and I'm like, why does it end on Kate as if she knows where we are? <laughs> like, guys, where are we? Cut to Kate, like, right. looking like, ooh, I hope they don't find out I know where we are. Like, I, I don't, there's not much to say about that, uh, but I just thought that was strange. I didn't remember that it um, cut to Kate. I thought it ended on Charlie. No, cut to Kate. <laughs> well. Um, and then uh, one of the creators, uh, they were talking about Jack's tattoos, you know, <laughs> uh, that that Foxy, as they call right. him. Right. Uh, he ha- those are his real tattoos, and they decided to keep them. Yeah. In the show, uh, one thing that's interesting is that he has a, f- a big sort of five on the tattoo, and of course he gives that famous speech talking about not letting fear get a hold of him and counting the five, letting fear only take hold for five seconds. Right. Uh, which was apparently something they wrote in the script long before they cast him. So even though he has this five on his tattoo, it's just sort of a coincidence that he sort of lives by this idea of five in terms of fear. Right. Um, and then five the is other not thing one that, of the numbers, by the way. No, it's not. Then the other thing they mentioned is that his tattoos were going to come heavily into play heavily heavily into play i'm paraphrasing but that's pretty much what they said and i'm like when (laughs) because uh 
I don't think they have yet, unless I missed an episode, wow. which I didn't. Yeah. Well, so, you know, uh, they did say, we talked about this, um, they did say that in season three we'll find out about his tattoos. Oh, okay. So maybe they will come into play in season three in some major way. They certainly haven't yet. Yeah. I, I, I just can't imagine. I haven't really gotten a good look at him. I don't know what's all on there, but... Me either. I don't want to know. Ha! <laughs> Me either. Okay, and uh, I think that's all for, for uh, episode two. Okay. Um, yeah. Wah, wah. I, I think that's all I... Yeah. Uh, I did want to mention that, um, you know, Locke tells Walt, you know, he's like, I, I got a secret for you, or whatever he says. Right. And we don't know what he says. And then later, Michael Michael sort of gets it out of him, and all Walt says is that a miracle happened to Mr. Locke. Right. And uh, a miracle happened to all of us, Walt. A miracle happened to all of us. That's <laughs> his oh, response. Michael. Right. Uh, Michael's almost as bad a dad as Claire is a mom. <laughs> He's, I mean, he's better. He's significantly better, but he's got his moments when he sinks pretty low. Yeah. Uh, but he's new at it, so. Yeah. I guess that's, that's he he doesn't too, seem to actively try to put Walt in harm. That's true. That's the difference. <laughs> he doesn't try to give Walt up. Uh, but anyway, so I guess we're to assume that Walt knows that Locke used to be in a wheelchair. Maybe. Um, we, I mean, I don't, we don't know what he said, so. Yeah. Well,. You got you. I mean, we. I don't really buy that he said. All he said is a miracle happened to me, and that's the secret. Because uh, that's yeah. really lame. Um, yeah. Right. No. I. I think it's pretty reasonable to assume yeah. that he said, "Hey, yeah, I, I was in a wheelchair before. Mm-hmm. Now I can walk, and that's crazy." It's interesting how Walt. I mean, if that happened, Walt sort of never told anyone. Right. I had forgotten tell. that. Uh, Waltz and Locke really had a relationship. Uh, they were the old uh, Locke and Boone. Yeah, and and uh, once Walt disappeared, I mean, did Locke, Locke didn't even seem to care that Walt was gone. I'm, no. I'm really surprised because it seems like they, they form like a pseudo bond, you know? Yeah, it was weird. I, uh, I'd expect him to care a little. He didn't even go on the trip. Like, well, I guess he wasn't supposed to, but... He didn't even try. Oh, he was fulfilling his destiny in the hatch. Give yeah. Him a break. I guess. Okay, I guess. so episode three, Tabula Raza. Yes. Blank slate. Blank slate, please. Uh, Latin, right? All too appropriate. Uh, Jack discovers that the injured man he has been trying to save is a U.S. Marshal. Don't trust her. She's dangerous, the Marshal mutters repeatedly. When Jack asks him who she is, the marshal shows him a picture of Kate, the woman Jack's been spending a lot of time with. Ooh. <laughs> um, on another part of the island, single father Michael questions his son about a conversation he had with another passenger, Locke. Okay, so that's Tabla Rock. That's really weird, because that's like one little scene. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Yeah, I guess it's sort of built up to that, maybe, they're trying to make it seem. I don't know. This episode is really about Kate's flashback, so they didn't even talk about that. No, no, they don't talk about that. They don't want to spoil the episode. Okay, fair enough. They'll just tell you a few things that barely matter. And, like, the the scene where he finds out it's Kate didn't play out like that. He said, who was it? 
And then, like, he finds the picture in his, like, yeah. jacket. He doesn't point him to it. No, he does, actually. He says, he tells him to look in, look in his po- his jacket pocket. Oh, he does? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah, he, yeah, I mean, Jack You're that Angie go, Q? I'm wrong. Jack, Jack, Jack wouldn't just go dig around in his stuff. No, he, he tells him to uh, look in his, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> no, I don't remember. I, I thought he didn't, but no, you no, know no. what? I, I think he tells him. Who knows? I'm going on record of saying he tells him. You know what? You know what? I can look it up right now. You know what? You know what? We don't have time. Uh, It's a very minor point. It doesn't matter. Um, I like to move on, and I don't have a lot to say about this episode. Uh, uh, I'd like to say it's really funny that we were just talking about how Saeed uh, is this math wizard, but uh, apparently with minor things, he's really bad at counting. Um, and I say this because, and this is may just be a scripting error. Um, let me find my notes because I don't remember what it, what he said exactly. Oh, that's what happened. Um, he said, "Oh, he said uh, we need to organize three teams, right?" Right. And then he says, uh, "He says like water. I'll be in charge of that one, you know, because he needs leaders for each team." Right. Then he says electronics, and then he says food. Mm-hmm. And then they cut to, I don't know who else, and in the background you can still hear Saeed talking, and he says, he says, okay, and the third team should be uh, constructing blah, blah, blah. You don't really hear the end of it. But he, so he says three, he says we need three teams, but he actually outlines four teams. Uh, so I just thought that was interesting little detail. I see. I don't think the teams ever really did anything either. No. It was like the it was, army. It was like the army. They just seemed like a good idea at the time, and then they dropped it. No, I think they, I think they did stuff. We, I think we're led, we're supposed to believe they were doing because that stuff got done. I mean, they got water and they got wow. shelter. So yeah, okay. Just, just to go back, I looked it up. the 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 scene is he he says, "Where are my cuffs?" And then, uh, and then Jack says, "What?" And then he says, "My jacket pocket." And then that's what makes Jack go over and look. Yeah, his cuffs weren't in his jacket pocket, though. No, he was they telling, weren't. Yeah, he was telling him to look in there for the picture. Um, I mean, he he knows his cuffs were on Kate. Like, he, I mean, right? I mean, I know he was sort of Well, delirious. he says, where are my cuffs? That's pretty I know. Weird. I mean, I know he was sort of delirious because he was dying, but I don't think he would have thought his cuffs, I don't think he thought his cuffs were in his jacket pocket. That doesn't make any sense. Like, why would they be in his jacket pocket when they were on Kate? Uh, I think he was saying, he was like, where are my cuffs? Because he, he wanted to know, first of all, I think he said, where's my cuffs? Because we saw cuffs earlier and we didn't know what they, you know, yeah. what they were about. That's why he specifically says cuffs. I agree. I think in general, he was saying, you know, where is my prisoner? And then he was like, look in my jacket pocket for the picture. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I believe you. Um, uh... I don't like I said I don't have a lot to say about this one. I uh, I, I do want to bring up, uh, you know, in, in light of what we find out later, Kate's like deal. Uh huh. Um, I think I guess you know I feel like they're being deliberately misleading with this. Uh, I don't know how much they knew at the time. I mean, once again, they were they supposedly know the outcome of something when they introduce it. So yeah. Uh, so presumably they knew that what she did was, you know, um, pretty much, uh, about as nice a murder as you could possibly do. Yeah. Um, it's one step, uh, below, you know, euthanasia. 
Yeah, the sort the sort of murder that you know is is this far from justified. If only killing weren't wrong, it would be justified. Mm-hmm. Because you know it's a clearly like evil guy that that's tormenting her family that she kills, and so you know she and and we never really you know in the future flashbacks we never see her do as I recall we never see her do anything like really reprehensible. She really seems to me to be basically a good person who. Uh, you know, did this one thing to protect her family. Yeah, no. The whole guise of, in the beginning in the, uh, of season one with her being this badass and watch out for Kate, I think I think uh, Charlie even referenced her being specifically like badass or, or something really tough. Um, they really built her up to be like this woman who could sort of handle herself in any situation and uh and stuff like that um but of course i don't really think she is i mean she's proven several times she's really inept at doing things uh and now i'm i'm i can't remember specifically it was in one of these episodes that uh oh oh that's what it was um saeed you know has kate go when when they're going on the boar hunt to uh put the transceiver up in a high place so they could get a signal, and she sort of, you know, makes a folly of that and breaks it, and comes back to Saeed, you know, and you know, mission unaccomplished. And uh, I, she makes some comment about uh, what does she say? Like, uh, guess she'll never ask me to do anything else, or something like that. And it, and it just reminded me of all those times when, um, oh, oh, and even the the several times when like Jack mentions, uh, you know, Kate, every time, you know. Somebody wants to go in the jungle. You're the first to to, to join. You know she she always wants to be in the middle of things. Right. But like she never she doesn't usually get things done though. You know no. like she just sort of makes a mess of everything. And of course I'm referencing you know when she when when she wants to come with Jack when he's going to go talk to Zeke. Uh, or I guess they were looking for Michael technically. Um, and uh, in season two and. Jack tells her to stay behind and she's like okay but she doesn't and she gets captured you know the biggest I told you so ever uh, <laughs> yes. but uh, but yeah they really made her seem like this this really like femme fatale almost yeah um, and I thought it was really really weird how like it was interesting when you know Sawyer takes out the gun to shoot the bear and then later you know nobody wants Sawyer with the gun right. so she takes the gun from him and then she she pretends not to know how to use it you know She's like, oh, how do you how do you dismantle this thing? And she dismantles it, and she sort of pretends like she doesn't. I mean, she she shows she basically says, I don't know how to use a gun, right? Right. Then later, uh, when Boone tries to take the gun, you know, tries to take the clip and the gun to put it back together to quote guard Stan Watch, everyone says give the gun to Kate when she has just basically told everybody she doesn't even know how to use a gun, and that made no sense to me. I mean, I I understand people trusted her, but. She basically said earlier, I don't know how to use a gun. So I was like, why are you giving the gun to Kate? But, yeah, her whole backstory with the with the murder was like, you know, when, once we find out what Kate did, um, it was very unimpressive. Yeah, well, and, and the marshal, like, he, uh, he, he says, don't trust her, she's dangerous. And, and then when she goes in there with him, he, like, starts choking her. Yeah, and it's like if you know if you if he knew like he should what she did, why, why does he have this? I'm thinking, I'm thinking, and this is something I think we, you know, I, I've only seen those episodes once. Uh, well, what Kate did, 
you know, I think it's, I think what he's referencing more is that she's very elusive, you know, like, she's able, you know, once you, you think you have her, you don't, uh, that's what I think he's referencing. Not dangerous in that she's a bit killer, because she's not. Um, but dangerous in that she'll do whatever it takes to get what she wants, you know, which is usually to escape. I mean, why... Do you think he he's just mad at her because he's been chasing her for a while? Yeah, so... I, that's what I got the sense. He's been chasing her for a while, and she's eluded him a couple times, and, and you know, she's pulled some dangerous stunts. Um... I, I think that's what right. that's about. And I mean, and the he, only reason he caught her is because she took the time to save the one-armed Australian farmer. Which, which I don't buy. You know, I don't buy that. That's why she got caught. He, I mean, he says that too, right? Like, yeah. Why did if you didn't get, you know, you would have got. How would she have gotten away? Like she was on foot. You know, he had a car and a gun right next to her. Well, he How couldn't... She... I mean, she she went over to another highway. I mean, he wouldn't have been able to drive the car over there. They would have been on essentially equal footing. What do you mean? I mean, the, you know, she she rolled the car off the road. Yeah. And she like... would have had to come back up on the highway. I mean, she could have maybe dashed off into the field. But, I mean, he was basically armed, had a car, and unhurt. And she was, like, sort of hurt, you know, with no vehicle. I just don't see how she really would have gotten away. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, she was in a car crash. He had the, he had the at least a time advantage to get to where the crash was, you know. Um, I, I just don't think she would have gotten away. She could have left the guy to burn. And, I, I mean, because he would have stood on top of the highway and saw her running off into the distance and could have shot her or something, you know. Okay. It's not May, like, okay, well, regardless. It's not, like, it's not like he was in an accident, too, and, like, you know, he was injured, and then, like, she took the time to save the guy, and, and that allowed him to sort of recuperate and get to her. I, I think mean, we're supposed to believe that she would have gotten away. Um, well, but, I don't think she would have. Well, okay. I don't see well, how. It, it really doesn't matter for my point, which is that she took the time to save the guy, and she didn't have to. Yeah. I mean, she is trying to get away. You don't deny that, right? I mean, if she didn't oh, want to no, get away... She's, she's, she's trying to get away. So, I mean, you know, she wasted time that she could have been using trying to get away, saving the guy. Yeah. I mean, it says something about her character being essentially good, and he knew that. And I just don't see why he, he wants to kill her. You know, yeah. it, it, it seems like it just seems it's ridiculous. just for conflict. It's just for conflict. It, it must be. It, but it seems it seems so so like poor in retrospect that they have uh, that they have his character like so insanely like, uh, you know, set against her when he knows that she's an essentially good person who got on the wrong side of the law because of a bad set of circumstances that weren't her fault. Yeah. You know, I mean, a person like that you're nice to you're like i gotta bring you in but you don't well, treat she, them but she has spent a lot of time evading him and all that stuff and i think that i think that's what really pissed him off and made him mad like it's one thing that she committed the crime but he spent so much time trying to catch her that he's just he just hates her but um yeah let's move on to episode four if you're done with episode three uh yeah pretty much sounds good um, walkabout. Episode four is Walkabout, um, which is also a good movie. An excellent ever, movie. Never watch it. Um, 
While bordering on exhaustion, Jack repeatedly sees a mysterious man watching him from afar. He asks the other survivors if they've seen him too, but no one has. Haunted by the strange vision, Jack follows the man, only to recognize him as someone to whom he was very close. Okay, you're reading the wrong... You're reading White Rabbit. I am, and I'm glad you caught that, because uh, you just won $2, mister. (laughs) Uh, Episode 4, Walkabout, is uh, a series of flashbacks reveals a secret that Locke has kept hidden from the other passengers. Meanwhile, the bodies inside the plane need to be disposed of, but how? Jack decides the most effective way of doing so, but it's grisly. This is horrible. It, when, it's, it reminds me of those. Uh, it reminds me of those those awful like uh, log lines on Trigger Street where they don't know like where they they set up yeah. like you know <laughs> will he be able to how will they do this like ugh. yeah this says uh, when the castaways realize that the food supply is running out Locke has a suggestion ooh I wonder what it is oh wait I know I have a suggestion okay um. This that 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 segues into my um, that segues into my joke. Ooh. Uh, I came up with a with a really bad funny joke. Hey guys. Um, so, in the beginning of the episode, you know, there's something rattling in the plane and noises and stuff, and it's all kind of creepy, right? And they all sort of go look, and and uh, and it turns out to be boars, right? Right. So here's my joke. How did Locke? Because Locke says, you know, they're boars. Uh, later how did Locke know that it was boars on the plane well i don't know how did he know because he's a boar ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's my one only the lost joke perfect uh, perfect i love it i he's love a it boar. Okay. although in this part of the series he's not a boar yet he's not a boar yet no 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 He's a this is now, when he though. was, like, my favorite character. Yeah, this is when he was good. He just gradually became shitty, but that's a great joke. I love it. Wow. Very um, nice. Because he's a boar. Oh. <laughs> he's a boar. Um, <sighs> okay. Nice. Uh, one of the things uh, that you can look up in your handy-dandy transcript for me. I will. Uh, Sawyer, because I don't remember the exact line, but Sawyer calls Jack Metro. Oh, yeah, right. I, what, I didn't know what that was about. What does that mean? Like, Metro is in, like, police officer or something? Like, I mean, that's a very strange thing to be talking about a police officer. I thought officer, he meant but... metrosexual. Yeah, but J- Jack is not metrosexual. I, I mean, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think Sawyer is as much as Jack is. But... Yeah, do you, but do you think that's what he meant? I guess that's but what I, he But meant. I do think that's what he meant, yeah. Wow, I've never heard anyone sort of use that as a derogatory term. Like, don't vote for him. He's a metro. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, some of the nicknames he uses aren't necessarily derogatory. They're just, like, a feature he notices about you. And so I think he... Well, the way he was using it, though, it seemed like it was supposed to be derogatory. He was like he said it in an angry way. If you can find the line, yeah the the um, the Hurley and Sawyer are fighting. Uh, they're fighting over, I guess. Uh, oh, they're fighting over food, and then Jack comes in and says, uh, "Guys, knock it off!" And then Sawyer says, "Stay <laughs> out of this metro." Yeah. 
So yeah, but, I just don't buy that. It just makes no sense to call him Metro like that. I uh, stay out of this Metro. Like, uh, okay, whatever. That's such a minor point. But yeah, um, he he could mean like metropolitan, I guess. Like Sawyer's like a country guy, and he's like may- maybe. <laughs> Oh, um, he meant like Metropolis. Yeah. No. Yeah, this Superman. It's a wild guess. Um. Okay. So moving on. Um. Do 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 do. Was that the big thing? You didn't know what Sawyer meant. Yeah, I just didn't know what he meant by Metro. Wow, what a disappointment. What do you mean? Oh, did I say Sawyer said something I didn't know what he meant? Yeah. Oh, that's it. I think that's it. I was hoping it was gonna be something more mysterious. Oh well. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. That's not it. That's no. Okay. There's another thing. There's another thing that that is bigger, and and I have no idea what what it means. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Uh, should I bring that up now? Okay. Yeah. Not sure, if it doesn't belong. Whatever. Yeah, it's in this episode. Okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's in White Rabbit. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Uh, so one of the questions I had. So this is the the episode where they go and they kill the boar, right? This is the first time they they go for the boar. Yeah, because uh, Loxabor. Sorry, I'm gonna Lo- overuse it. <laughs> save it, buddy. Save it. Um, I guess Lock, Kate, and Michael go. Yes, and uh, so basically, you know, the boar charges out and hits Michael in the leg, and then you know, Kate, Kate grabs Michael and takes him back while Lock charges ahead. Right. Um, right. But then on the, I guess on their way back. Kate stops to put the transceiver up in a tree. And then that's when they see Smokey, right? Right. Okay. Then, you know, uh, Smokey sort of apparently, uh, to quote Kate, heads in Locke's direction. And then once Kate uh, and Michael get back to the beach, they, you know, Kate assumes Locke is dead, which I think is a faulty assumption. But uh, not only because it proves to be untrue, but she has no proof. But anyway... Um, well, I mean, based on what she's seen, the last time it got near a person, they died, so... Oh, sure. Um, so anyway... Just to um, defend her a bit. Please, defend her all you want. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that was so mean, but... Uh, I don't like to defend Kate, but... Someone needs to. A yeah. Freckles? Well... Uh, anyway, my point is, I sort of wonder, I don't necessarily believe this... But it was very strange when Locke came back with the... Uh, I need to find that transcript. Do you get those transcripts? Because I can use that right now. Locke came back with the boar, you know. And what does he say when he comes back? Because I got the idea that he didn't necessarily kill the boar. I questioned really? if Smokey killed the boar for him. Really? Yes. Because... I gotta find the scene now because I don't remember. Even though it. he's got blood on his face, and don't even care. Okay. Uh, he could have put the blood there on his face. Okay. To make it seem like he did it. Let me find that scene because I thought it was really interesting what he says. They uh, let's see if I can find it. Oh, he doesn't say anything. At least not according to the transcript. Okay. Well, maybe it's a look. Let me let me find it. I got I got the thing right here. Because Jack, Jack is following, you know, his dad ghost, and, yeah. and you know, Kate's there, too, and then he sees Locke, and he says Locke, and then they go to commercial. 
with them all looking at each other, according to the... the... Oh, that's what it is. It's the way... It's the way Locke looks. He's looking... To me, he just sort of looks like... Mm. I think later in the series, we do see him successfully kill Boar. Yes. Um, so I like to assume, you know, he killed the Boar. But uh, I'll, buy, I'll buy Smokey killed it, I guess. Um, I don't know why it would kill a boar. For Locke. Oh, for Locke. The way, okay, here it is, yeah. If you, if you watch that scene again, you'll just, you'll know, I think you'll discern what I did, is that the way he looks at them, it's almost like, they, you know, they assume he killed this boar, and he sort of looks like, I hope they believe it, I hope, like, I don't know, there's, I can't, I can't verbalize what I mean, but to me it looks like he was sort of hiding something, and. It's a wild theory that's probably not true. I don't really believe it, but um, I was just wondering the idea that maybe, uh, since Smokey was in the area, that maybe Smokey killed the boar, either for Locke or just the boar was in its way when it was pounding through trees, and Locke just dragged it back, the hero. Um, Right. But anyway, that's all I got. Okay, okay. Um, Yeah, that is a wild theory. I don't know. Um... Let's see. What do I have on this? Do you have anything, um, mister? Uh, no. Looks like I don't really have much on this episode. Um, uh, no. <laughs> there was a lot. This was an interesting episode. I mean, it was Locke's flashback. Uh, we got to see Carl oh. Locke in the, uh, you know, in his office environment, and it, it plays like office space, but w- way sadder. <laughs> I thought of something, and someone brought this up on um, on the board. His boss is a real asshole. Oh, his boss is horrible. He's, horrible. He's, he's coming in on Locke's lunch hour and berating him, like... He's just this, you know, kind of sad guy in a wheelchair, and he's coming in telling him, like, you'll never do that. Yeah. I love how he says, I didn't, uh, uh, I knew, well, the scene, I knew Locke was, didn't have his leg, use of his legs when I saw him in the bed talking to Helen. Uh, It just, I saw that scene, and I was like, you know what? We haven't seen him walk this whole time, you know, in flashback form. And the way he looked, propped up in that bed i'm like wow he he doesn't have his legs but i'm surprised i didn't know to catch it when his boss was like you know when he was talking about the walkabout tour in australia the little pamphlet he says like i'm paraphrasing he says you're gonna do this on foot you know like this is something you have to do on foot you know like he if you listen watch that scene he he's basically saying you can't do this because you're you know you're yeah handicapped they're definitely dropping the hints in there yeah um, right up I, until like the final scene, yeah, where he, you know, where you see him in the wheelchair. Don't tell me what I can't do. It's one of those things that is pretty obvious if you know, but I didn't catch it. Even in the scene when he's talking on the phone, like I just thought, oh, he's just sitting in the bed. Whatever. No, it was something weird about the way he was sitting, and I, I guess I was just all the uh, clues were accumulating, and so I, I just I saw that scene. And I was like, wow, he's so like can't use those legs yeah i well i was i was uh in the place i think the the writers wanted me to be where i didn't realize it until he pulls back um plus don't plus we see don't we see yeah we see the we've we've seen the scene where 
he looks at his feet and he wiggles his toes and he's you know yeah there were there were a lot of bigger clues too before right. the and toe so wiggling I, just, I thought was just uh was just a weird little thing that they threw I, in i wondered why his shoes were off like he got knocked out of that plane and it took his shoes off. <laughs> like, yeah, damn. whatever, man. They needed to show him licking the toe. I get, you know, I get it, I get it, but it just was weird. <laughs> yeah, his shoes shouldn't be off. I agree. I mean, maybe they were loafers, and you know, they just slipped no. off. Um. Okay, I'm ready to go to White Rabbit. Okay. Uh, before we do though, um, I just want to, uh bring up um i think it's mildly interesting that i guess he like pays someone to talk to him Uh um and i guess he calls her helen because of the character helen that we come to know later but it's not actually helen i don't think yeah, I didn't... No, I don't think it's Helen. I mean, it was uh, obviously not her voice, you know, yeah. Katie Seagal. Yeah. But, you know, but I don't think we're supposed to believe it is her. No, I don't think we are either. I don't... And I don't think... Uh, I assumed he met Katie Seagal, Helen, after this whole thing. No, because uh, he could still walk when he was involved with her. Oh, that's right. What am I thinking? So this is... This is after Yeah, that. that was after that. So I, I, I just assumed her name just happened to be Helen. But, you know, if he's paying, I guess he can... I mean, it didn't seem like he would... He would want that kind of relationship where he's picking her name. But maybe maybe he did. Maybe he just... He said, okay, you're going to be Helen with me. Uh, I just sort of assumed her name happened to be Helen, too. But that's a weird coincidence. It could be that they wrote it, and then later they decided to name, you know her uh the katie seagal character helen because he had used that name for to suggest that maybe that's why he was doing it but maybe yeah. at the time they just called her that yeah it definitely can't be the same person because i mean she doesn't seem to know him at all like have any relationship with him outside of that the phone conversations right you know she's like i'm not allowed to meet clients i mean uh, she that's not something she would say if they had met before Good point. Good point. Um, that whole scene was sad. Oh, oh, it was very sad. Yeah. I, I saw that coming too, though. I, I saw that coming that she was a she was paid to sort of talk to him. But anyway, uh, very sad. Very nicely done. It's sad scene. because he seems to think like she's gonna like he's he's deluded himself so much about you know he knows he's paying her yeah but yeah i love when she's like okay john we should go because if if we go into another hour i gotta charge another hundred bucks and (laughs) i was thinking man that's a lot of money that is a lot of fun i think it was like it was like 80 something dollars an hour yeah uh yeah i mean that'd be that'd be a decent price for like a prostitute but for someone to just like talk to you like well you know i guess that's about right because those ads i've seen and have not called ever <laughs> um hmm. no matter what anyone tells you uh they're always like you know 199 a minute or 299 a minute so that's about right that's, yeah that's up i guess there. it is yeah it's up there um uh, or i guess Good 99 point. cents a minute something like that but um but it wasn't like sex talk it, it was but just like... i think it was though i think it was basically it was the same 
same kind of company, but you know, the sex talk thing is they'll pay you to. I mean, <laughs> it's not like I know from experience, but I'm assuming <laughs> that they they'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. I mean, usually it's sex, but you know, they'd been talking for eight months. And either the whole sex, you know, he wasn't interested in that at all, and maybe they did that in the beginning. But uh, I think it was basically like, you know, the the person who's paying gets to choose what they talk about. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, okay. So you think maybe the service was, you know, primarily or at least uh, ostensibly for sex talk, but yeah, could be used for other things, and that's what he was doing. And yeah. maybe he used it for that sometimes, but who wanted to watch that? So <laughs> exactly, no one, <laughs> no one. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, um, I think that's, I think that's all I wanted to say about that uh, episode. Cool. Well, let's go to White Rabbit so we can wrap this up. All right, we're we're doing a good pace here. Well, I mean. Better than we've done in the past. Better than a six-hour podcast? Yes. Yeah, on, on you know, what is equivalent to two episodes. Yeah. Uh, okay, episode five is White Rabbit, which I mistakenly read the synopsis or before. Right. Um, but basically, this is the one where Jack goes crazy. Right. right. Oh, and I wanted to mention, at the end of Walkabout, he starts to see his father walking around before this episode oh definitely yes so they were setting that up already in walkabout mm-hmm. um i liked that it made it seem like more connected or something not like they just introduced that in the episode where you know they where deal they explore with it. it yeah yeah i just i liked that anyway go ahead um, the big thing I wanted to, to, the big thing that Sawyer says that I have no idea what he meant, and oh, I remember boy. when I first watched this episode, uh, back when it came on, uh, is that, uh, and I, 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 I heard this line, didn't know what it meant, and then when I rewatched it again the other day, I remembered that I still don't know what it means, uh, and the suspense is killing you and everyone else, I'm sure. Anyway. Uh, the scene was between Sawyer and Kate, and I think it's when, I think Kate thinks Sawyer stole the water, right? Right. That's when the water, so she jumps on him. Mm-hmm. And then Sawyer says, ooh, I made this birthday wish four years ago. <laughs> and I have no idea what that means. Like, to me, what that should mean is that he knew Kate four years ago and wished that, you know, they were together or whatever. Uh... But that didn't that didn't seem possible so far. We don't that they have any history, right? So what do you think that means? Why would he oh, say I made I made this birthday wish four years ago? I, I think I think it was uh, it's supposed to be just a, a wish for uh, a woman to tackle him or something. That you know, I, I don't feel like it's specific to Kate. But well, why would he say? I made this birthday wish four years... Why four years ago? I mean, I, to I, me, it reminds me of Locke's four years. I feel like it was it. just supposed to be a quip. Like, you know... Like, I, I doubt that's true. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I think it's just something that he might have wanted to happen or or fantasized about happening at some point, and he just said, like, yeah, I made I wish for this to happen four years ago. I feel like he just pulled that number out of his ass. I, I don't think that that's literally true. 
And I don't think it had anything to do with Kate. Hmm. I don't buy that. Um, I mean, I, I mean, think if I'll, any any other didn't... woman that he wanted to get it on with tackled him, he would have said the same thing. I don't buy that they would have said four years ago, though. I mean, they're, they're very conscious. At least he should be conscious of the numbers that they use. I mean, you know, think about it. I mean, from the writer's perspective, they have to write this line. And even if they're, they're writing this line with the idea that, okay, this is just a quip that, you know, no matter who it was, who was on top of him, he would say. It just seems a very strange thing to say. First of all, birthday wish, which is, is secondary strangeness, but to me it's a strange thing to say. And then four years ago, I don't know, to me, specifically saying four years ago, because he could have just said years ago. Why say four years ago? That's a very specific thing to say if you're just making a random quip. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It just doesn't strike me as being that odd, uh, for Sawyer at least. It just doesn't make any sense, though. I mean, why would he say, I made this wish four years ago? I mean, he's had his share of women, you know? It's not that crazy. Yeah, no, but he he wants one to, like, tackle him and sort of take him by force. I mean, I think that's the implication. Uh, well, I think we're going to flashback a story or four years ago at his birthday, and then we'll figure it all out. I, <laughs> I, I, don't, I think it's a throwaway line. That's my theory, at least. All right. Mm, okay, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we will see. I can understand being a little bit, you know, confused why it would specifically say four years. Um, that is a little odd. I'll give you that. Uh, the other thing uh, I wanted to mention was when Jack goes to Australia to get his dad. He's you know he's in his dad's hotel room, which is a really nice hotel room, by the way. Um, Indeed. Uh, the the concierge or whoever the hotel staff guy was says there was an incident down in, at the bar. And that got me thinking about Anna Lucia. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering if Anna Lucia was around during this time. Like, presumably she... She must have she, been. She, I guess, just left. Maybe the day before or a couple of days before, right? Because later that day, I guess, Jack or or maybe the next... In some small time frame, Jack gets on the plane to go back to... Los Angeles. Yeah. We don't know exactly how long he was there. I mean, yeah. he had to go, like, identify the body and get it in a coffin and get it to the airport. Um, so, I mean, they were there at the same time. I mean, they got on the same plane. So, <laughs> obviously. It just made me think that um, that maybe uh, Anna Lucia and, and, uh, was, was there during this incident with Jack's dad in the bar. Oh. Like, maybe they got drunk or rowdy or, or she... I don't know. I was just wondering. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I, the, I was thinking that when I watched the scene. I'm like, she's around or something. She's around. And Sawyer's around walking in the middle of the street. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I'm walking here. So, let's talk about the empty coffin. Yeah, okay. Good. Why was it empty? Uh, you know, we haven't known for a while, and it's still... <laughs> Not only why was it empty, but why is Jack, like, okay with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, you could say, well, it's empty because the body fell out. 
but that isn't that doesn't explain why Jack doesn't really make a big deal about it. Yeah. Um, I've heard some people suggest that like the island brought him back to life, and that's why he sees him walking around, and that's why his body isn't there. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that, but that thought crossed my head when I saw this this episode again. That scene in particular, um, <clears throat> you know, maybe the idea that you know the island heals and heals, and somehow uh, it did a super job on his dad and brought him back to life. <laughs> but it doesn't explain how he sort of, you know, isn't you know like Jack can sort of almost touch him and can or whatever and right. like he can outrun you know it's like it doesn't explain some of that weird stuff i have to say i love the way they handled the jack's dad like it's probably the creepiest thing on the whole show when he's sort of standing from afar and watching like mm-hmm. i love those shots yeah and and then like when he goes to find him and he's sort of standing with his back turned yeah like, that's just creepy yeah i love that scene when he he runs to the jungle and he's, he's, his dad should have been in front of him and wasn't. And his dad's behind him, but his, with his back turned towards him. Yeah. You know, which to me I thought was symbolic of, you know, his dad, you know, oh, turning his back. That. Yeah, I mean, that's what I thought it was. Good point, good point. Plus I thought it was creepy. just scary. Yeah, it is both. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, that's pretty I don't want to buy that the, that the body just fell out. Um doesn't seem plausible. I mean, it seems plausible that, possible that it could have fallen out. But the way the coffin was sitting there, basically undamaged, until Jack smashed it to pieces, um, it, just <laughs> right. didn't, it just didn't seem like the body would have fallen out. But um, And if it did, it seemed like it would be close. Yeah, you would think so. And, and there was also, on um, probably an unrelated note, that, that, like, doll sitting in the water. Yeah. Well, there was a whole crate full of dolls, which made me wonder if that's where Rousseau got all her dolls for that's the That's exactly what I was going to say. But they, did, they didn't look like the same dolls. I didn't see um, the crate, though. I only saw the one in the water. Yeah, he picks, up, he picks up, like, the one out of the water and then looks sort of towards his right and they show this shot where, like, it's a it's a crate and it's busted open and it's got like a ton of dolls in it. Okay, I see. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe they don't look like the same ones, but maybe they are. You know, maybe they just use different prop dolls way think, later. Do you think she would have come to where that crash was just to get those dolls? Just for, I mean, it just seems a little weird. But I, I mean, I I don't buy it. But okay. It, it it yeah. I mean, I don't buy it either, but I I feel like it's a possibility. Yeah. Um, like the way he sort of leans over and picks it up. I mean, it's the same. It seemed like the same scene. We I expected a trap to appear. <laughs> you know, because it's it, it it just had the same feeling. It made me think that's what they're referencing. But who knows? Maybe not. I I thought it was. I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't have gotten in the water to get wet just to pick up a doll. That's just me. I didn't need like he he's. It seems like he, it was like his doll. Like he saw some had some connection to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't think that's true. But it was just weird how he was so 
adamant about getting the doll and looking at it very closely. People are just drawn to dolls for no apparent reason. What is with this in the island? I think the island makes... I think that's the project with Dharma is to intensify... I think <laughs> I think Dharma is owned by Mattel. And uh, oh. their, their sales have been slow in the past years and they want to make people love dolls more. <laughs> and uh, that's what Dharma's all about. When you're on the wow. island, you just... Uh, instinctively attracted to dolls you know i've never heard that theory before dude we got to go post it on lost forms <laughs> very nice i think they'll all uh i think they'll all be uh taken by it i think so I'm you heard it here anything. you heard it here first at the lost lowdown that's right huh with claude and justin with claude and justin all right we're sorry no <laughs> Um, the, there's one more thing I want to talk about, and then I'm done. Okay. Uh, the line, the infamous line, live together, die alone. Ah, that was one of the things I was going to bring up. Originates in this. And we talked about this before, and how we didn't, we didn't understand, well, you understood what the line was supposed to mean. We both thought the context was off. Right. Um, I still barely got what it was supposed to mean. And thought the context was off. Um, but in this original but then, phrase... I'd in, like to point out, I came to the realization of what it was supposed to mean off-podcast. And then it did make sense. And that oh, meaning yeah. was what he expresses here. Exactly. That's, yeah. We couldn't figure out what he meant. And then you figured out what he meant. But we talked about it not on podcast. And then, then it made sense. Yeah. But... Um, the full version. The point was, I didn't remember the full line uh, as we he- as we heard it in White Rabbit. I thought because we heard that the line originated in White Rabbit, but I thought it was still "live together, die alone." Right. Which to me, it still didn't really make any sense. But the the phrase is, of course, if we can't live together, we're going to die alone. Right. Uh, which makes a lot of sense. Now, yeah. I still think the context is off. The, is when he says it in the episode in season two, live together, die alone. I think the context is off uh, because, you know, he should be saying, hey, you know, we're going to get your son. Uh, because I mean, it doesn't make sense. Let's go get your son because if we can't live together, we're going to die alone. Like, eh, I still don't buy that. I mean, I feel like the message of that um, saying is to say that we need to work and help each other in order to survive and so i feel like he's saying going to rescue wall is one aspect of us sticking together in order that we all might live you know i i'll buy that or whatever but i still think it's weird that he says all he says is live together die alone and we as an audience and michael and whoever else heard it is is i guess supposed to remember his reference do you think we're supposed to remember that what he said? I think I think only. I mean, we you know we're fans of the show. Neither one of us remembered it. Um, it was mentioned to us in a comment. Uh, I think that I don't. I don't know. I don't know if they ex- really expected people to remember something from episode. You know what five. is it? Five. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the finale of season two. I mean, that seems a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But um, but he. I mean, okay, yeah, I guess, I don't know if we're supposed to, but it seems like we are. I mean, because he just sort of, 
Yeah. It'd be different I mean, if he would have said the full phrase again, but he just says the sort of shortened version. It, it, it's a reference to the fact that he said it before, but I feel like they can't reasonably believe people are going to remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, but maybe they do. Maybe they're just demanding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Guys Mine either. But I'm done. Excellent. Uh, I did want to quick... say one thing too, though. <laughs> But go ahead. All right. My topic is really boring. Cool. Um, it's about Lost? Because then it I, really will be boring. I want to talk about Boone stealing the water. Oh, Boone. If I didn't take charge. You know, Boone is so inept. It's so ridiculous. He's 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 like Hurley and, and, and Charlie in a lot of ways. They try, but they just don't get it right. And uh, that's one of the things they mentioned in the commentary uh is when like you know Boone uh, when Boone was trying to save Rose and when Boone tried to swim out and save the the, the drowning woman like he Joanna just, he just can't seem to do it right he tries right. really hard but he just can't seem to do it yeah his heart's in the right place but uh, he he means well but it 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 never seems to come to anything good mm-hmm. uh, he basically would have just died. Uh, they would have both died if Jack hadn't gone out there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, he wanted to, like, stick a pin in Rose's throat, which obviously was <laughs> the wrong thing to do. Oh, I know, I know. Let's amputate her foot. <laughs> I know. <That's... laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh... And, and so Jack just sends him off, I guess, to just get rid of him so he can do what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, he just decides to steal the water because... What is he, if, he, if he, he does, thinks someone needs to be in charge of rationing it out and no one was doing it, so he thought he should do it, so he stole it. <laughs> oh, what an ass. I just wanted to point that out because I had forgotten about that altogether. And that was just... <sighs> Whatever. Oh, Boonwell, you're so silly. A silly thing to do. I do, I do sort of miss Boone and Shannon. When I was watching the pilot, I, I remembered how, how much of the show they were in season yeah. one, and uh, in parts of season two for Shannon. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, I forgot about these people. You know, it's kind of nice seeing them again. Yeah, love, yeah, you you can't beat Shannon. I can ca- I can catch a fish on my oh, own. What a bitch. Hey Charlie, oh, can God. you get a fish for me? That 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 thing was ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was that was the sequence like, I'll show you that I can catch a fish. Hey Charlie, go catch a fish for me. Yeah. Charlie says, "Oh, okay, I'll catch a fish to impress you." Hey Hurley, can you help me catch a fish? <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, I love it's like how endlessly passing the buck. Why did it seem like everybody knew how to fish? Because she, you know, she asked Charlie, "Do you know how to fish?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah, I know all about fishing." And then, and then Hurley was like, "Yeah, I know all about fishing." Because you know, sitting at the dock with my dad or something, he said, "Like it's like, <laughs> why did everybody have this experience fishing?" Right. I'm like, geez. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess we just assume her, uh, Charlie was just lying that he knew all about fishing, but um, yeah. Anyway, he was either lying or he overstated his expertise. Yeah, he was really annoying. He he was very annoying in a couple of these episodes. He was always like he always had something to say, but it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like Sawyer where it's funny. 
it was just like really annoying. Like uh, that infamous line I'll never forget when in season two when they're walking and Anna Lucia's behind him and he says, "Are you standing at my bum?" <laughs> it's like, shut up, Charlie. Nobody's staring at your bum. It wasn't even my bum. It was me bum. Me bum. Oh god, <laughs> I forgot about me bum. Yeah, you can't you can't get any worse than that. That was jeez. Oh God, Charlie! You know I I dislike Charlie less in the early episodes. Actually, that was a general thing I wanted to point out. The show has a very different tone in these early episodes Definitely. than it does in the later episodes. Like I just noticed it. It feels um, I don't know what the word is. Campish. What? Campish. You mean in the earlier or the later ones? Early. You mean? Do you think there's a lighter tone now? I mean, in the early ones, or or what are you saying? I think, no. To me, it seems like they had le- way less problems. Like, when they were thinking about water and stuff, I'm like, man, you guys are going to have some serious problems in about 40 days. <laughs> like, right. You guys don't even know what's going on on this island. Um, to me, it seemed like things are sort of intensified. Uh, it seems like now their problems are really light and airy and, you know, food right. and water, which is, you know, obviously big deals, but... But... That's not really what I mean. Like, like the the acting just seems more like. Uh, I mean, maybe it's because the plot's gotten heavier, and as we discussed before, there's less time for character development. But like, like just the scene where uh, where Kate like sews up Jack's wound in mm-hmm. the first in the first episode of the pilot. Um, in the first episode of the pilot, okay. Or the first half of the pilot, I guess. Yeah. The first episode, whatever. Um, I I was noticing like that scene has a lot like in it, um, about both characters and like you know Jack, uh, you know, tells that story about mm-hmm. you Count know deer do- and counting the five and yeah and and then you know she's sort of losing it like the scene was very like like um. What's the word? Like, realistic. I feel like if they did that scene now, it would be shorter and it wouldn't have all those details. And, like, they would just get to the point. It just seemed like they spent more time uh, making the people seem real. And and it just, it also seemed like the acting is better. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think at the very least, they sort of had more time to, to deal with the character stuff because there wasn't a lot plot wise going on. I mean, I mean, it's funny to read these plot description, and it's like, um, someone steals the water, Locke hunts boar, like, <laughs> that's so menial considering, like, what goes on in, like, the last half of season one and then season two, like, there's so much more going on, they're not even concerned about food and water, you know, there's, there's people trying to kill them and, and everything, right. and... I mean, the show has effectively made those non-issues, yeah. I mean... They've got all the food and water they need, and now it's just about trying to deal with the other problems. Yeah, literally the other problem. You know, of course, yeah, right. I mean, we wouldn't want to see season after season of trying to eat and, you know, get shelter and stuff. I mean, that would be very boring, but, I mean, I think if this really happened, that would be the the main focus. Uh they just they just happen to be on an island where there's supply drops and crap. Yeah, you got a lot of that. So I don't know. I just uh, I was just taken by how like how much more sort of 
I got pulled into the people. Like now, I just sort of watch it as a plot development. It it just it seems like it, it's lost some of the uh, some of the sort of intricacies or details that it used to have. Yeah, so. maybe. I mean, I mean, I remember in season one though, it was they they got plot heavy as it went on. I mean, you're right. This is the early part. This is the very early part when they were. I mean, I think that's how it should be though. You, I mean, you don't want plot in the beginning when you don't know your characters because how are you going to care? How are you going to know how to expect them to react in situations? Uh, so I mean, that's that's just generally what you want to do is you know submit your characters, uh, let the audience know who they are, and then throw stuff at them and, you know, make them go crazy plot-wise. So yeah. It, it, it makes sense the way they did it. But, yeah, you're right. We, we spent a lot of time getting... I mean, even those, like, the montage scenes are just, like, that's what they're there for is character. You know, right. There's, like, no plot whatsoever in those scenes. Like, yeah. Charlie picks up a guitar and plays. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that just seems like they ran out of stuff and they needed to fill 40 minutes because, I mean, it, it barely moves along anything plot but, but it helps for character, though. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And even that, barely. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, without... I mean, to me, dialogue really develops character more than just showing them happy on a beach. I yeah. mean, you know, I guess it does something, but... Anyway, that was just a general thing I noticed. Okay, so is that about it? That's it. Um... Excellent. I did want to say a couple things. Oh, right. You had about, a couple things. But not about the episodes. Oh, okay. Uh, Are they about Lost? <laughs> they, no, they're just like things I should have probably said in the beginning. Okay. Um, which I can't remember all of them now. Um, we did get added to lostcast.blogspot.com. The, uh, the did Lost, we really? Yes. The Lost Podcast. <laughs> That's news to you. The Lost Podcast Network. <laughs> since when? Uh, since today. Like, uh, yeah, they added us. I saw us Nice. There. So I want to thank Ryan, uh, I believe is his name, who was responsible for that. So um, for the, for those listeners who are listening, um, lostcast.blogspot.com is the Lost Podcast Network where it basically lists just about every lost podcast there is, a little synopsis about them, and then it lets you know when there's new posts. Um, so it's a nice So little... if you want to listen to, you know, more than one podcast. Which I don't know why you would, because uh, we should be enough for you. We should be. Why don't we make you happy? Why don't we make <laughs> you happy? You never take us out anymore. I wanted to... Do we have someone to thank comments-wise? Did anybody send us... Yeah, it was Vicky H. Well, that pointed us there. I meant, of course, Vicky H. Of course, the illustrious Vicky H. For, it wouldn't for, be a lost um, lowdown if we didn't thank Vicky H. For, I like to thank Vicky H. for doing God's work, a.k.a. listening to us and giving us praise and, and telling other people to listen to us and give us praise. Indeed. Um, Vicky, Vicky H., of course. Uh, I thought there was something else I wanted to mention, but I don't really remember now. Uh, I don't know. I think that's it. If we're bringing up trivial matters, um, I just want to mention... Uh-oh. Uh, we, we, we sort of already referenced it. Um, the review we got on iTunes... Um, Oh, oh, yeah, we can talk about that if you want real quick. 
Angie Q, she she uh, she gave us a good panning. Um, yeah. So basically, on iTunes, of course, people who use iTunes know you can click on someone's podcast and uh, see the reviews. And the one review we have uh, is from someone named Annie Q, who doesn't Angie. like us. What? Angie. Angie but Q. It, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. That's all right. Who cares? I mean, she hates us. So she hates us. That let's I, get her name wrong. Please. <laughs> All right, so I know it's all very petty, but I'd like to respond to that review. <laughs> well, why don't you read the review first? All right, um, I'm going to have to pull it up. I, you weren't ready? No, I'm sorry. I should have been prepared, right? Maybe I'll edit this out. Maybe, maybe that's why Maybe that's why Angie Q doesn't like us, because you're never <laughs> ready. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Lost, low, down. You can do this yourself, by the way. Play along at home. Yeah, you um, can. Just open up your handy-dandy Apple iTunes. And uh, go to podcasts and type in Lost Lowdown. All right, here we go. So, uh, let's see. Oh, God, I forgot about that. So, the the title of your view was, Don't Bother. Don't Bother. So, it's a, it's a one-star review, which is, I believe, the lowest rating you can give. Well, let's hope so. All right. And zero out of one listeners found this review helpful. That's good. That was me, by the way. Oh, that was you? Great. It asked me if I found it helpful, and I said no. <laughs> of course you did. I think you're a little biased. I am. All right. Um, all right. So here's what she says. I usually download the Lost Podcast because the podcasters usually have so much more information and have done so much research that it is so informative. This one, not so much. It's annoying to listen to. One guy seems like he is half asleep while he is watching the show, so his comments are so wrong. I was excited to see a six-hour podcast, so I'd have something cool to listen to for a few days on my commute to and from work, but I couldn't make it past the first half hour of this one. Lost Casters is much better and by far my favorite. The other one with Jay and Jack is okay, too. Okay, first of all, you're a bad review writer because you don't end like that. Yeah. That, um, she, she's bad in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> I I really wonder who the one guy is. Um, yeah, it says it says one guy out of the two of us seems like we, we must be asleep when we're watching the show because apparently when we comment on the show, we get the details so wrong that, that we must have been right. asleep. Um, Both of us have made uh, a couple of errors. Yes. So, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think we do a good job of when we think we know what it is, you know, we say we state our point. I know that when I'm not sure, I like to say I'm not sure. And then, of course, there's the small percentage when I think I'm sure. Well, when I am sure, but I'm just wrong. Right. And I've certainly had that happen yeah. uh, as well a couple and of times. And it's like, can you can you fault us? I mean, I guess you can fault us for that, but I think it goes with the territory. We, we, we don't claim to be experts. We're not any more knowledgeable about loss than anyone else, you know, anyone else can, can do what we're doing. You know, and just because we decided to do a podcast doesn't mean we're sitting on some throne right. handing out edicts and, you know, the, the gospel a la lost. All that we bring... Uh, that's unique to us is our, you know, opinions about our perspective stuff. and our opinions and our uh, our great uh, lost jokes, right? Well, yeah, there's that. Um, so yeah, and she she you know she says she says lost casters, but I think we assume she means like 
Lost Cast. The Lost Cast, yeah. Yeah, the infamous Lost Cast. Uh, and that they, they do so much, quote, so much research. Right. And, uh, you know, first of all, you want I know what you want to say. Oh, boy, do I ever. I'm just waiting. <laughs> uh, Justin's going to say what he wants to say, which is a valid point. But, and I think that's fine. If you don't, if, if what you want out of a Lost Cast... Uh, I'm yeah. A lost podcast is 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 factual information and research to be done for you. Then we're not the people that you want to listen to because that's not what we do. I mean, of the two of us, Justin is the one who goes on the bulletin boards uh, and, and looks up stuff. And I do that. I used to do that more. I don't do that too much because, frankly, it gives me and him something to talk about and something for the listeners to hear. Because if we both were all on the boards every time, then we'd have nothing to talk about when it came to news because it'd be like, hey, Justin, did you hear this? Yeah, I heard it. It's like, okay, well, <laughs> let's move on to the other thing. Did you yeah. hear that? Yeah, I heard it. I mean, so... I and it's not fun to have to try to fake it's talking not, about something. Exactly. So that's you know. one of the reasons I don't even go on the boards too much anymore is because uh, I like to be surprised and interested when uh, Justin brings up stuff. So... Uh, Let's not let's not defend ourselves too much, but go ahead and say your point. Right now, my point um, about the research issue is, you know, I I listen to Lost Cast. I've listened to him for a while. I listened to him before we did this. Yeah. Um, and you know, their research amounts to, uh, say, they bring up a philosopher in the, um, in the show. Well, they'll read uh, a Wikipedia entry. Mm-hmm. You know, like the first paragraph of a Wikipedia entry on that philosopher. Ooh, that right? takes about five hours of uh, preparation time <laughs> to do, I think. If they mention a book, they'll go on Amazon and read a, a plot description. And that's about ten hours of detailed work to get <laughs> to get that research ready. And um, you're you're making my point for me. These are things that that anybody can do in like. You know, with no effort. I mean, if you type in in Google, even you can, you know, get what yeah. the, the that sort of trivial information. From my perspective, I'm not going to bring any specialized stuff like that to the to the podcast unless I really know about it. Yeah. I don't want to just read a Wikipedia and entry about something. I think it's worth saying we are obviously not knocking Lost Cast for doing that. That's perfectly valid thing to do. Absolutely. I think it makes a ton of sense to do that. If you know, give a little. You know, it's totally fine to go read a Wikipedia, Wikipedia entry about whatever topic. I mean, it did absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But just to say that that is extensive research or, or imply that that's you know extensive research, I think is is fallacious. I, I agree. Right. Exactly. I mean. The, yeah, I, I, I challenge the idea that their that their research is so amazing. Also, yeah, I agree. Nothing wrong with what they do. I like their podcast. It's just you know I don't want you know. Besides that, I mean I don't want our podcast to be the same. So yeah, you know we're we're just not the podcast that looks up stuff and reads it. Yeah. Um. You know, besides like the transcripts or whatever. So uh, anyway, that's that's my uh, rebuttal to uh, the. Uh, the uh, review and it's fine if people don't like listening to us talk i mean you I'm know sure believe me, i understand tons of people who don't want to listen to us i mean i can barely get any of our friends to listen to us um so you know i can understand if strangers don't um but uh yeah you're not going to be lo- we're not going to have fans everyone who listens to us is not going to want to listen to us so that's cool right. 
Um, but of all the people we've had listening, we haven't had a lot of people review us like that. We've so. only had two negative reviews. Yeah, and one of them was "You guys are tools." One so of them is "You guys are tools," and that barely counts. It's yeah, I mean, because we are. I mean, if you look up the definition of tool, yeah, I'm in. Uh, you're in uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, right? And then I'm in the uh, Cambridge. Uh, what's it called? Oh my, Oxford. Joke. Oxford. There it is. Oh my, joke f- fell apart. Damn. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as you said Cambridge, I was like, is there a Cambridge Dictionary? There is, and that's why my joke is funny. Oh, okay. No, there's not. Okay. So you listeners can rewind it and laugh. Yeah, please do that like three times. Oh. Yeah, because jokes are funny three times. Everybody knows that. Yeah, and rewind that one three times and listen to that, because that was funny too. Whatever, oh, God. Whatever that means. Um, okay. Now this is getting too crazy. I know. We're done, man. Yeah, I think we're done. This is uh, this has actually been a lot longer than I thought it would be. I thought uh, we were going to do one hour, and we are currently at about two, two fifteen, two twenty. Yep, yep. Um, of course, well, it'll be a little shorter when I edit it. But uh, what do you mean edit it? We don't edit these things. Oh no, of it course comes not. out perfectly every time. It does. We're amazing. We're simply amazing. <laughs> we're simply amazing. Oh, <laughs> uh, does anyone get what? Why that's funny? I hope so. Well, I'm sure Vicky H does. <laughs> oh, we gotta yeah. stop, we gotta stop talking about her. She's gonna get annoyed and be like, I know. "Stop talking about me so much and talk about Lost." <laughs> uh, um, or she might she might love that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. uh, um, if you want us to stop, you know, we will. Oh, I had something to bring up, but I don't know anymore. Anyway. Um, so I think it's it's time to say thank you for listening to podcast number five of the Lost Lowdown, and uh, we will bring you podcast number six maybe next week if if uh, <laughs> the stars align. Justin laughs, so apparently we'll hope for the best on that. Yeah, definitely by the week after we will we will that bring you episodes um, six through ten. Right. I guess that's what it should be, yeah. Yeah, 6 through 10. And I mean, we're going to get to a point where if we don't keep up a certain pace, we're going to have to throw five, six episodes yeah. in there at once. I think this was, I mean, we didn't have a lot to say about these five episodes, and we talked for two hours, so. We did, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think five episodes at a time is good. But anyway. Um, I agree. Uh, stay tuned at the Lost at uh, thelostlowdown.blogspot.com to find out when our next podcast will be. And um, we'd love to give you a schedule, but we just can't make it no. totally regular. Can I? Can I? Can I? Can I plug uh, Mr. Podcast? Please uh, go listen to Mr. Podcast. That's the plug. Can I support your plug? You can. Uh, I agree with what you said. Go listen to Mr. Podcast. Where, where can where can one listen to Mr. Podcast? Well, uh, if one wanted to listen to Mr. Podcast with Claude and Justin, the people you know from Last Lowdown, uh, they can type in uh, in their URL bar, um, Mr. Mr. Dash Podcast dot blogspot dot com. Wow, that's really easy and simple. Not to mention fun. Indeed, it is. And, and uh, I hear the word on the street is that Mr. Podcast is uh, really interesting. It's uh, basically 
that one guy, Claude, and then that, that other guy, Justin, um, doing what they do at the Lost Lowdown, but uh, about random topics. Right. So I guess, for those of you listening, if you like the parts of the Lost Lowdown where we go on tangents and talk about like weird, random details... It's sort of like that, I guess, yeah. except about non-loss-related topics generally. And uh, we've got some we've got some things coming up for Mister Podcast. It's going to be very interesting. I we I mean, it's going to be a little bit more than just us talking after a while. I think. Um, do you know what I mean? Because do you know what I'm referring to? I think I should, but okay. no, because the audience doesn't. But uh, that's why it's suspenseful. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. It's suspenseful for me, too, because I don't remember. Yeah. Well, um, when it happens, I'll tell you, and then you'll know, and then we'll do it. Mr. Podcast is our, you know, miscellaneous repository for things that don't fit here. It, you know, with Last Lowdown, we have, we have a, you know, a set thing to do. And Mr. Podcast just sort of can be whatever it wants to be. It can and will. So, you know... Yeah, we, we, we recommend it. We think if you if you like podcasts in general, um, and you like our podcast, then you should like Mr. Podcast. Yeah, it's uh, we it it's, should be entertaining because uh, I, I think our conversations are, are are funny and entertaining and interesting and uh, all that uh, stuff. Blah blah blah. I'd like to agree. Cool. I second that, and I raise you fifty dollars. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm just going to say the magic words. Are you ready? I'm ready. Thank you and namaste. Namaste and good night and good luck. <laughs>